On this episode of Sessions, we have a conversation with Molly Hayward, co-founder of Cora, the brand bringing healthy and organic period care to women around the world. Listen up as we talk about Cora's origin story and the five ways in which they are working to dismantle the taboos within the women's health space. Welcome to Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class focused on digging into the things that make brands and campaigns go from good to great. I am Chelsea Matthews. I'm the founder and creative director of Matt Black. And today I'm really excited to be chatting with Molly Hayward, who is the co-founder of Cora. Molly, hello. So good to reconnect in a year and a half. We just pieced together. (laughs) It's so wonderful to be here. So we kind of always kick off our lovely podcast with a couple get to know you cues before we dive into exactly what Cora is and what you have done to get to this point. So my first question for you is, where are you going on vacay next? (laughs) Well, it's not fully booked, but I've been dreaming about Iceland and kind of getting all of these pings from the universe about Iceland. And I've been so drawn to these crazy wild places lately and that feels like a totally new kind of frontier. So I'm, I'm putting that out there. I love that. Manifest it. It's there. <laughs> yeah. What is your go-to comfort food? Anything involving pasta. And you know, yes. this is what I was thinking about as I was reflecting on this answer. Um, like, I think it's because pasta was the thing that like when I was you know, first starting out and totally broke, just like living on a shoestring and pasta was kind of the one thing I knew how to make and could afford to, to buy. And so that was like the thing I would go to when I needed to just like curl up and, and comfort myself. And so filling and delicious and sustainable (laughs) to our bellies. (laughs) All the things, all the good things, things, all the carbs, all there. I love it. Um, and my last question for you is if you're going out for karaoke with your friends, what is your go-to song? It's gotta be foreigner. I want to know what love is. Oh, so good. It's all the right notes for me. I, I think it's like a good note hitter for anyone. Like, I think it's one of those good songs. Like, even though it really like hits certain, oh, gosh, like, octaves, it's still, yeah, it's still just like, you can't help but like get into like your belly when you sing that one. You're just like, totally. it's, it's in you. Yeah. I've I heard that. some great covers of it recently too. Like everyone from, um, Amazon, which is like a, they're like a super cool band that I recently discovered all the way to like Krishna Das incorporating it into, uh, (laughs) you know, Kirtan. This is amazing. amazing. It's such a versatile song. I guess we all just want to know what love is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Until Uh, I butcher it at karaoke, then it it just loses all its charm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Incredible. So naturally our listeners want to know, um, all about you and, and the Cora story. You and I had the opportunity to connect, um, you know, a little while back when you were at a different kind of juncture in the business, um, and, and obviously doing very well and successful, but still, um, you know, kind of living that, that 
as I like to call like the scrappy startup kind of sensibility, not to say that it's still not that way today, but you know, core has continued to flourish and, and grow. So I would love to really hear, um, about what got you to become the co-founder of Cora and what Cora is today. Gosh, you know, it's been such a winding journey and, you know, reflecting back now, it's been a number of years since Cora launched about three years now. And, uh, and add a couple of more uh, from the time that the idea sort of started to germinate. But, um, you know, really, I came to Cora um, from my experience uh, kind of working in developing countries and, and feeling this huge sense of, um, I think, responsibility, but also inspiration, just um, meeting so many incredible people who, um, you know, had these incredible ambitions. And yet because of the circumstances in which they were born, they weren't being given the opportunities that they, you know, absolutely deserved. And so, you know, I graduated from college and during college, I had actually been really focused on economic development and humanitarian aid. And I really thought that I was going to go work for some big NGO or a nonprofit organization. And of course, fate kind of stepped in and I ended up um, taking a job at a socially responsible startup. And it was, you know, this incredible kind of eye-opening experience where I realized that it shouldn't, and it doesn't need to be just the responsibility of nonprofits or NGOs to solve, you know, our biggest world problems. And in fact, that if businesses felt more of a responsibility and more, um, empowered to take on some of these issues that they, you know, can have a massive impact. Um, and I sort of fell in love with that idea of, of using a business that's going to scale and, um, you know, have sort of a, a massive reach to raise awareness about an issue or to raise funds or to be able to, to employ people or, you know, help in some other way, add resources. And so after a number of years of, working in a number of startups that all sort of had a social mission. Um, I was really at a crossroads where I was coming out of the first company that I had actually co-founded another, you know, social business. And I really was, you know, feeling frankly, like quite lost. I, you know, didn't, didn't have a clear path out in front of me. And I was really trying to spend some time just doing some soul searching you know, getting back to like, what am I truly passionate about? What feels exciting to me? What feels like it could provide a ton of impact? And I, I really had zero direction outside of that. And a friend of mine called me up and was like, Hey, I, you know, I know you have a little bit of time on your hands right now, wondering if, you know, you might want to come to Kenya. I'm going with this uh, nonprofit organization that's focused on girls' education and women's health. And they have one seat left on their plane. Like, do you mm. want to go? I need to know right now. And I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> In, yeah. No hesitation. Um, and, and of course, like, I didn't know why I was going. I just thought like, this is going to at the very least provide a little bit of a change of perspective. I can get back to service. I can sort of, um, you know, just use, use the free time I have right now to do something good for, for others. And I went and, you know, saw all of this amazing uh, investment being made into girls' education and women's health. This organization was building schools and providing uniforms and tuitions uh, for girls. And come to find out, you know, I ended up talk, sitting down and talking with one of the 
uh, teenage girls in the community one day. Um, and you know, it was kind of the middle of the afternoon. She wasn't at school. And so that was kind of my first question was like, why aren't you in school today? And she said, well, I have my period. And when I have my period, I don't go to school. Mm. And you know, it was just one of those moments where like time stops and you sort of realize how, how sort of utterly, you know, fortunate you are that you've never experienced, you know, that sort of, um, disempowerment and, and, you know, it's sort of being, I think being a natural problem solver, my first thought was like, you know, let me like, I'll write a check to this organization. They can earmark these funds to, to purchase pads for the girls in the school every month. Um, and they can, you know, have what they need because, you know, we, we all know these are completely essential items. Like, you know, we would not be able to do the things we do, um, you know, without tampons and pads and other things that we use. Yeah. And of course my next thought was, well, Molly, you know, there are, probably millions of girls like these girls all over the world who face this problem. And there are probably millions of women like you who would be more than willing to give a small amount each month to make sure that a girl had what she needed again, because we all know how essential these products are. None of us would be able to live our lives, you know, as we wish to without them. Um, and that was like, that was kind of how the idea for Cora was born. And I wanted to create some sort of business that would ultimately provide paths to girls, uh, girls in need so that they could stay in school during their periods. And as I started, started to like work backwards from that end, it became really clear to me that there was this opportunity to create a brand of women's wellness products here in the U S that could better serve women here also. Um, and that, you know, we would take that sort of, uh, one for one model that had really, you know, so captured the hearts and minds of people, um, through Tom shoes and then Warby Parker. And it was such a, you know, tangible way to do it, um, and apply it to these products. So literally every month when you're managing your own period, you know, that you're helping, to provide products and health education to a girl in need so that she can, you know, experience her period with health and dignity and really to just be able to do anything that she wants during that time. Yeah. And it's so interesting how, I mean, naturally it's from one extreme to the next, but you know, it's this thing that no matter your society is, is kind of taboo in a different way, whether it's, you know, having the resources or not to even just, and allow yourself to get on with your day and not have it, you know, mean that you're, you're kind of tied to home or something like that. But exactly. But it being this thing, that's just kind of a, a hidden, like, don't talk about it kind of thing, unless you're just with your girlfriends is, you know, in general, just an exactly. interesting spectrum. Yes. And I think that's what we've tried to do. You know, we've really yeah. tried to do that with Cora is, is so, so much of it is really about helping to try to change the perspective on it. And so how did you even go in to start tackling, like, what is assumably a behemoth industry um, yeah. run by behemoth brands that have been yes. around for so long? I mean, it's, it's like anything, right? You, we are of the last, you know, five years as consumers being exposed to massive disruption in various categories of, of brands, thanks to, you know, technology and innovation and, you know, new yeah. ways of selling to consumers and things like that. 
But how did you even start? Like, (laughs) where did you even go to find somebody who makes, uh, I mean, and also, and also down to the quality. I mean, part of what you stand for is the quality of the product in which a woman is using. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, so early days, I mean, to your point, uh, you know, the fact that this is, you know, a behemoth industry that, um, has seen very little change in really the past kind of four decades, um, ever since the elimination of like the sanitary belt. Um, you know, it was so ripe for innovation that there were sort of all of these things that could be changed and updated. And really the goal was to recreate, uh, that experience, create a brand that, that really stood for, you know, the values of what I call them, the, the values of the modern woman. And so in my mind, that's, uh, great design, health, environmental sustainability and social impact. Um, and so, you know, what is the sort of, how can we pick apart sort of all of the pain points that women have really kind of silently suffered through, uh, using these products and using products from these really antiquated brands and just start solving one by one. And so, you know, I think the biggest one is, is really health. Um, and so it was a process of, of really going all over the world to find a manufacturer who was creating, you know, we started with tampons and, um, it was really about finding a manufacturer who was, um, making organic cotton tampons and putting them into a form factor that the vast majority of women in the U S not some, some 90% of women, uh, who prefer a compact compact plastic applicator as the sort of form factor for that, which sounds really simple, but you know, actually several years ago, it was not common at all. Um, and there were only a, a couple of manufacturers in the world who were doing it. So really it was kind of about, um, you know, find, finding the suppliers and setting up the supply chain that way. But um, even before that, it was really about uh, connecting with women and saying, you know, if, if we offered organic feminine products in a customizable subscription that we would mail to your door every month, is that something you would pay us for? Um, because at that time, that was still a question mark. It wasn't you right. know, sort of a, a given. And, and I think like D to C was still in the relatively early days. And, um, and the answer was overwhelmingly, yes, of course. And as we started to layer on sort of, uh, the health aspect and the design aspect and the environmental sustainability aspect and the social impact aspect, it became more and more sort of appealing. And we started to see this, you know, incredible community kind of build around the brand. And so, um, you know, we were able to, to, source these healthier products to really redefine the experience of managing your period, as opposed to just kind of going to the shelf, pulling a box off, you know, it's pink and it's purple. And so you're hiding it under your sink and, (laughs) you know, you're kind of shoving the tampon up your sleeve when you walk from your desk to the bathroom at work. And we wanted to just change all of that. We wanted to make it feel like something that was made for, you know, an adult woman who, who cares about all of these, um, different aspects. And so it was really this, this just process of, of making these small changes that, that really make a huge difference, I think, in the way that women perceive this experience and, and feel about it. 
And so, you know, you launch and you bring core to the market. Did you see immediate response or was it something that was kind of like a a slow burn to introduce, you know, women and consumers to this idea? Yeah. You know, I think we were really uh, fortunate in that um, early on, the media was so interested in what we were doing because we weren't just sort of offering organic products and we weren't just offering products in organic products in a subscription. We were offering organic products in a subscription uh, with this really impactful uh, social impact model. And, you know, that was a huge piece of, um, I think, what what made us really noteworthy at that moment in time where, you know, before we had huge marketing budgets, we were able to really just talk about why we were doing this, why it felt so important that women use healthy products, why it felt important that we elevate the experience, why it felt important that we um, be using our profits to make sure that girls in uh, different parts of the world could could stay in school and get their education uh, during their periods. So, um, you know, that was kind of the the strategy early on was like, can we really just try to leverage, you know, the, the, the good things that we're doing and get people to tell our story for us? Yeah, that's incredible. And it's a good kind of, you know, segue into really talking about your five things, but also, um, this conversation around the decision for brands, whether it's women's brands or otherwise to just be deeply transparent, um, with Mm. consumers or just even as a brand in the way that they talk and the words they choose to use and the way that they kind of break these norms that we're so used to. Um, you know, kind of with that, I feel like a brand like Cora, even just down to looking at your Instagram feed, it feels like there are things that really only in the last few years, people have found to be, you know, I don't want to use the word acceptable, but like not as kind of taboo or or kind of off limit in the sense of the way that people want to consume and the things that they want to look at. Um, so naturally you guys are, you guys are at the forefront, um, of that movement alongside, you know, numerous other brands and the women's in various women's categories. I'd really love to hear from you. Um, you know, the five ways that you feel Cora is really dismantling the taboos in the women's health space. Um, because I think that insight is so valuable, whether it's just applicable to your business or otherwise, it's so valuable for other brands to be thinking about, especially brands that are aiming to come in and disrupt industries, um, to really kind of find your lane in like what taboos you dismantle and what parts of your brand become the core filters of your why, you know? So I'd love to kind of pass the mic to you, pass the stage to you and, and kind of dig into those five things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the first thing is really related to something that you alluded to, which is kind of the way in which we represent this experience and the way that we talk about it and the words that we use. And so I think the first way in which we've um, made impact or, or made a dent in sort of dismantling the taboos around women's health is reframing the experiences that we have in female bodies as powerful, not as dirty, not as gross, not as painful and annoying. And, you know, this is totally derailing my life, but to step back and say, yes, all of those things can be true in certain moments. We've all had that experience, but what would your experience of your body be like if you felt the inherent power of uh, of what having a period represents and this ability to, 
uh, create life and this cycle that's happening inside of you and the fact that you can bleed without dying. I mean, it's like a superpower. <laughs> and so, you know, I think, I think trying to just switch the lens a little bit for women after decades, if not centuries, if, you know, of, of being told that this is a shameful experience that we have to hide and it's dirty and it means that we're weaker and we're less than. Um, and so I think that's sort of like the number one umbrella, um, you know, thing that we've done that I think has made a bit of an impact. Definitely. The second thing is really, um, you know, through the brand, you know, designing products and designing an intentional experience that elevates this moment of, you know, self-care and that removes the old stigma and the misalignment, I think, with uh, women that, that traditional brands have had, you know, as a, as a 30 something professional woman, you know, I don't want to buy a product that is clearly made for a 12 year old girl. That's not Mm -hmm. who I am. And to, to create a brand and create a product that is, um, mature and sophisticated and intelligent and really is meeting women where they truly are in this experience. I think, um, you know, you just can't underestimate the, the impact that our intentional design has had on the perception that women have of, of course, our brand, but also their own experience. And, and really, again, like flipping that perspective of one from one of, of real shame and, um, and disconnection to one where they feel like they're honoring their themselves and their bodies and, and that, you know, the products that they use, because, you know, we, we need these products to uh, manage our periods in the way that we want to, and be able to, you know, continue living our lives through these moments, um, that those products are, are intentional and, and feel really well aligned with who she is. Yeah. Even down to, you know, not to, to juncture, but leading off that point, you guys, I think a little before the holidays, um, released a necklace, like a really beautiful, stylish necklace that actually holds a, you know, application free, um, or, you know, I don't know the correct terminology, but you know, a self use tampon. Um, but it's it's like a very stylish (laughs) and that's the wrong word I realize. Um, but like a very stylish, cool necklace. And it's just kind of one of those things again, where you're like, wow, even, even just like carrying the shape of the tampon around your neck, it's, it's probably not super transparent to the blind eye, but, um, you know, it, it is, it is a statement in and of itself and and something very cool that you guys did. You know, we decided to create that because in in many ways, because we felt like, gosh, so much of what we're so passionate about and what we focus on or what we try to focus on is this movement and, you know, destigmatizing this experience and bringing it out into the open. And, and, um, and yet we don't have a product like a Tom's shoes where you're wearing the shoes around and people are asking you about them and where'd you get them? And then you tell them the story like our products are, you know, particularly when they're being worn, like they're definitely not known to anyone else. And so we thought, you know, what's a way that women could really like wear the movement on their sleeves, so to speak, and, uh, creating this necklace that holds, as you said, an applicator free tampon, um, was a way of doing that. And it's also, you know, bonus, like super functional. Like I wear my necklace during my period and keep a tampon in there because, inevitably I'm like running around and like 
I need to change my tampon and I have one right there for me. Or someone else says to me, shit, I need a tampon. And I'm like, here you go, you know, let me, (laughs) let me open up my secret stash to you. This is again, Um, this is again, a super tangent point. And then we'll come back to number three on your list. But, um, ironically the chef in, uh, I, I own a restaurant as well, cafe and the chef in the cafes one time said to me, don't you think it would be Oh, and I should mention that we have Cora in our cafe bathrooms for all women to take for free. So we are fully on that subscription model. Um, (laughs) No, but she said one time, she's like, wouldn't it be cool if there was an app where you could just like post if you're a woman and you need a tampon, you don't have one on you. And then any women within, you know, proximity can be like, I have one. She's like, women would totally do that. I'm like, you know what? They really would. Like, we're (laughs) so pro. Like, hey, I got you, girl. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm sorry. Let's go on to what is is your third? What's your third thing? (laughs) The third is really uh, democratizing access uh, to organic products, to healthier products. And I think we're doing that uh, via, you know, our distribution model. So we're not actually just D to C subscription. We are also in every target across the country. Um, so we felt like, you know, there are more and more women who are becoming aware of the reasons why organic products, particularly in this category are just so essential to health. And, um, again, like align with our values, um, that you should be able to like run to the store when your period comes along and get those types of products. You shouldn't have to settle for something that is unhealthy or doesn't feel like it aligns to who you are. And so, um, we, we made the decision really early on as a brand that we wanted to really own the omni-channel model and be where women need us to be. Um, you know, I think like, C2C and subscription is amazing and it's super convenient and you get to customize your products and it's, you get a black box and a clutch and it's all very, um, you know, exciting, but there's also always those times where you're like, Oh God, I'm, you know, traveling for work. I, you know, ran out of tampons or I forgot to pack them in the first place or pads or whatever you use. And you should be able to run to the local target and, and find something that you want and find something that you need. So, um, I think democratizing access is a huge thing for us. And we don't think that organic products should only be available online. We don't think they should only be available in natural food stores. We think they should be everywhere. And I think I would add one thing to that, which is also the, uh, tax on tampons. So like under that umbrella of democratizing access and making sure that, you know, these products are, um, available to any women, any woman who wants them. Um, I think one of the biggest sort of like challenges that we're still up against is the sort of economics of organic products being more expensive. Um, and, and kind of add to that, um, the fact that the majority of states in the U S still tax these products, um, as a non-essential good, which, which is insane (laughs) because it is absolutely insane. Um, and so we decided from day one that we launched that if you're purchasing, uh, coral products online, that, uh, we will pay the tax for you. So if you're purchasing our products through our website, you will never pay a tax on it. Unfortunately, we can't control sort of our products at retail, uh, being taxed, but, uh, we decided, you know, in this place that we can control that, that we wanted to, um, remove that 
that burden from being able to make a, a, you know, a healthier choice. And also I feel like there's like a real element of education in that because, you know, I've been buying tampons for, I don't know, I'm not going to age myself at this point, but a long time. And did I ever know that there was a tampon tax? No, you just buy them. You're just, I mean, right. you know, you just don't think about it. You're like taxes, tax. And, um, it's, it's a very interesting thing to unfold and, uh, and to be made aware of in the first place. So it's, it's fascinating. Hey guys, so we'll get back to the conversation between Molly and Chelsea in just a couple of seconds, but we wanted to take a quick break to talk about our partners over at Planoly. So Planoly has been the go-to Instagram planning tool for over 2 million digital marketers and content creators across the globe, Shapeshift Report included. Um, Their features are pretty stacked. They allow you to plan your grid, queue up your stories, engage with your audiences, and make your Instagram shoppable and many more things um, that truly make make your content planning a million times more seamless. So what we want you to do is to give Planoly a shot and experience this magic. So become a part of the Planoly fam by heading over to Planoly.com and using the code Planoly Sessions. Yep, that's one word, Planoly Sessions. Um, Use this code at checkout and you'll get your first month on any new plan for free. So go ahead and head over to Planoly.com, check it out, and happy planning. So um, number... Four actually is global giving. So um, ensuring girls have access to health education and products is so core to um, you know why why I even started the company. Um, and I think that's you know a huge sort of you know global initiative of ours to dismantle a taboo. Um, you know this taboo, as you said earlier. Um, exists everywhere in the world. It is certainly not limited to the U.S. It is certainly not limited to developing countries. Every culture in the world has a different way of stigmatizing this experience. And so for us, when we look at our impact, um, you know, we consistently serve around 15,000 girls, meaning we provide them with pads and health education on a consistent basis. And, you know, we've given a total of around 5 million pads since we launched. Wow. And and, uh, you know, for us, it's just so important and so, uh, meaningful to be able to reach girls at such a formative stage where they're just starting to have their period. They're just learning about their bodies. Their bodies are changing tremendously <clears throat> and, you know, we're able to kind of reach them and, and, provide them with a healthy and, you know, positive perspective on this experience before the culture has been able to come in and say, you know, you need to hide this and this is dirty and shameful, but they have, you know, that level of education, um, that gives them the broader picture, but also, you know, the, the sort of critical piece of having the products that they need in order to actually manage their periods and stay in school. So, you know, our global giving, I think is, you know, a huge way in which we're, helping to kind of dismantle the, the taboo for the next generation. Yeah. And truly is contributing in such a big way and in, in ways that, you know, again, the, I think the modern consumer isn't, isn't as aware of and compared in contrast to, you know, even your earlier story around your, you know, your trip to Kenya and it being really focused on education. And one of those things that is, you know, something that I think we're all a little bit more privy to in terms of the, you know, not for a, a positive, but the well-known fact that education in, in certain places are, is, you know, is lacking. But when you think about this just truly personal experience that women have and, and the way that you're able to impact even 
that woman's opportunity to educate herself further by actually being in school is, is like such a, such a big movement. Totally. And number five, um, I think that really, uh, the next sort of, um, frontier for Cora and for our team is, uh, is education and information. So, uh, last year we launched, um, our content platform, blood and milk. Um, and the, the creation of that platform was such an interesting Genesis. You know, I really, um, the idea first came to me when I was at the, the original women's March a couple of years ago. And, um, I, it sort of dawned on me, you know, we're marching in the streets. It was this incredible energy, you know, hundreds of thousands of women turning out. And I realized, you know, we are fighting in the streets for our rights. And, you know, uh, one of those rights being sort of the right to our bodies in, you know, really essential ways. And yet, you know, most of us are so undereducated about our bodies and we'll go through these experiences without, you know, without an understanding of, you know, of their ramifications to our bodies, to our psyches, to, um, our way of life, you know, everything from our periods all the way to, um, sex and intimacy to, uh, pregnancy to birth to post-birth recovery to menopause, you know, our bodies change so profoundly through the course of our lives. And yet for most of us, like our formal education ended in like ninth grade health class where it was like, <laughs> don't get pregnant, don't get an STD. And that was the end of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it really felt like what, you know, the world needed was a dedicated platform that was focused solely on the experience of life in a female body from, you know, the perspective of other women. And, um, and so really what we've done is create this platform that, that covers, you know, the, the lifespan of a woman. And we take a perspective that, um, really merges kind of expert perspective with personal narrative. And so, um, we're able to kind of bring light to a lot of these topics that are not being discussed in the mainstream media, um, even on sort of quote unquote health sites and, and really give women both kind of that, you know, more formal or medicalized opinion that many of us want all the way down to, uh, the, the sort of firsthand experience of another woman. So, because I think like storytelling and, and being able to, uh, know that you're not alone in an experience is, you know, an incredibly empowering way of, um, of, of understanding your own body and and making the choices that you need to make in order to best care for it. Um, you know, I think one of the things we're really proud of. Yeah. And how do you, and this is kind of more of a tactical question, but do you find, I mean, it seems like with blood and milk, the the opportunity is endless. Like it could be its own, its own entity in a way, its own media company, in addition to, you know, the business that you're running, how do you guys operationally kind of support both, you know, the editorial arm of things while you also are sustaining, you know, tremendous growth of your business and product? Yeah, it's a a great question. I mean, um, we have sort of a portion of our team that is solely dedicated to blood and milk and the editorial side. I mean, the, the, um, you know, the quality of the content is sort of paramount to us. And so interestingly, we really haven't done a ton of, um, of 
marketing for the platform. It's really grown organically. We're able to capture a lot of search because people are, you know, going to their browsers being like, why is this happening to me? Or like, what is, you know, asking these questions and, and, you know, our content comes up and they find it useful and then they share it. And so, um, it's, you know, it's been something where, I think we've very much taken a sort of test and learn approach. And I think from a really practical and tactical you know, perspective, not sort of uh, like dumped a ton of resources into it without really understanding like, where are we really adding value? What are women really reading? What do they want to hear from us? Are we, um, are we really speaking to them in the way they want to? Do we need to pivot or is there something that we're missing? And so, you know, I think like it's, the platform itself is about nine months old now. And we, um, you know, we just did a, a massive survey of all of our users and, you know, got really overwhelmingly positive feedback, but also learned a couple of things. And so I think we're now in a position where we feel really confident that we have enough kind of time and, and insight under our belts to kind of start to, de- to devote a few more resources to it and really like to help it, help it to, to grow a little bit more aggressively and reach more people. That's awesome. And kind of tangenting off that, what, what else can we expect from Cora in this coming year? What's, what's on the docket? Yeah. So, you know, I think our focus this year is really looking at, you know, the ways that we can continue to serve women in different parts of their life stages. And also I think, um, continue to, uh, innovate and iterate on our existing products. Like, you know, we've, I think we're really proud of the fact that we're, you know, the only kind of next gen or new brand in the feminine care space that's really invested into uh, product innovation. And so um, we've got a couple of uh, new product releases that will be coming out. You guys will have to stay tuned, unfortunately, but um, we've got some really, really exciting product releases happening that are going to uh, just be addressing. some women's health issues that I think like periods have been, you know, woefully neglected for decades. And, um, you know, our goal this year is really to just continue to, to better serve women and, um, serve more, more and more women with, um, you know, healthier products that actually change their lives in a positive way. Exciting. Well, can't wait. Faded <laughs> breath over here. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I think it's it's really inspiring when you see, you know, a company kind of launch in in one sector, one kind of product domain and continue to evolve to service uh their their consumer at different parts of their their life journey. So that's incredible. Totally. Yeah. Like I said, our bodies change so, you know, so rapidly and so profoundly that it's like, there's so many opportunities, I think, for, for better products and better experiences. And that's what we, that's what we want to do. I love that. Well, thank you so much for all the insights. So, um, inspiring to, uh, just kind of hear about the, the mission and the vision and, um, all that you guys have achieved in, in a relatively short period of time. Um, we always like to wrap up the pod with a question around, you know, your dream dinner. So you have uh, the opportunity to dine, preferably over pasta, with three <laughs> yeah. people that you would deem something of a role model, and they can be alive um, or dead. Who would you sit around the table with, and where do you go to eat? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So 
I think for me, it's, it's so important to get a variety of perspectives. So I would have one person from, uh, from the younger generation. Cause even though I'm not that old, I feel like the upcoming generation, what is it like Gen Z, mm-hmm. um, are, are just incredible in so many ways. And they've gotten a bad rap in, in some respects, but, uh, I think in other ways they are just fearless. Um, and so, uh, I would love to have Malala at that table. I think yeah. that, you know, she's, it's just so incredible her story and what she has been able to do, you know, at such a young age, I just, I'm in awe of her. And I think that, um, you know, I always, I always try to remember why, why Cora started and what our roots are and what we're really about. And, and, and really, you know, I feel like she so embodies the modern activist and, um, I'd love to have her there first and foremost, I think, uh, of, of the, um, perhaps generation, uh, that came before me, I would love to have Elizabeth Warren there. I think, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen on the political scene with, with her, but I have always just been a huge fan of hers. I admire her intellect and, you know, her tenacity so much. And, um, whatever happens, I just think that she's, uh, such an incredible sort of role model in politics for, for women in particular. And I think a good role model for men as well. (laughs) Uh, And then, uh, of the, of the past generations, uh, I would totally love to have Frida Kahlo at that table because just what, (laughs) what a firecracker. Um, (laughs) and just, I just love her wild spirit and just her creativity. And, um, I think, you know, just a, a total badass. Yeah. It's a good bunch. And where and would I you guys thinking, go? <laughs> I was thinking do it at Chez Panisse, which of course is here yes. in the Bay Area. And uh, and in that case, maybe Alice Waters could join too. She's <laughs> just, you know, such an icon in the in the uh, environmental movement and farm to table. And I just think, you know, kind of large and small, um, these these movements that these women have been part of are, are just incredible. And I just love them so much for that. That seems like a dream dinner. Keep us posted. And, and to the, to the very, very uh, finale, we, we definitely want you to do some shameless self-promotion. Um, <laughs> where can the people find you? Where can they find Cora? Uh, find Cora always on Instagram at Cora women. And we're actually on Twitter and Facebook at Cora women as well. Um, and our website is Cora.life. Um, so you can always find us there. Thanks to everyone for listening to Sessions brought to you by Matt Black and the Shapeshift Report. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe and rate the pod on iTunes because we love you. Thank you guys all so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.